Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God's economy is the antithesis of man's economy, and I'll explain what I mean by that. In man's economy, the more we give away, the less we have, whereas in God's economy, it's the exact opposite. In God's economy, the more you give, the more you'll have. As one aptly noted, you cannot outgive God. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Galatians. The more you get to know God, the more you understand His ways are opposite man's. Today, Pastor J.D. helps us appreciate that God's economy is the reverse of the world's in that the more we give away, the more we receive back from Him. If we're stingy with what He's given us, we'll miss out on abundant blessings He has in store for us. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in Galatians chapter 6 with his continuing study called Helping the Hurting. I should probably say this for the benefit of our online church. We don't actually receive an offering here at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Nothing wrong with that. We just have these agape boxes that are on the back wall. So anyway, how am I doing so far? (laughs) Bear with me because um, it's just uncomfortable. Actually, this is one of the reasons why I am so glad that I teach the Bible expositionally, book by book and chapter by chapter and verse by verse, because I cannot be accused of talking about what I want to talk about. And certainly I can't have these or pick these pet topics week in and week out. And also it kind of protects me from the whole money thing. The only time we talk about money is when we're at a place in God's word where God's word talks about money. And such is the case today. This is Uh, what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about finances and giving generously financially. You have to know one more thing here. As God is my witness, I really wanted to skip over this and go on to finish the rest of the chapter, but the Lord would not let me get away with that. And actually, I'm glad for that because there's something here that I think the Lord has for us. And if you'll bear with me, I'll try to talk about that and point that out. It's a powerful and even practical principle that's here. And it's that of our generosity in the area of giving financially. And the principle is this. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Moreover, the blessing that comes to the giver comes vis-a-vis the principle of sowing and reaping. And this is what Paul is talking about, and this is what I want to talk about. However, before we do that, I think it's incumbent upon me to 
put to rest this whole matter of any self-serving motive because it could skew, maybe taint or mar everything I say from this point on because it is specific in our text to financially giving to those who labor in and bring the word of God. So I want to quote those who say it much better than I could, starting with Martin Luther, who said this, These passages are all meant to benefit us ministers. (laughs) I must say, I do not find much pleasure in explaining these verses. I am made to appear as if I am speaking for my own benefit. I have often wondered why all the apostles reiterated this request with such embarrassing frequency. We have come to understand why it is so necessary to repeat the admonition of this verse. When Satan cannot suppress the preaching of the gospel by force, he tries to accomplish his purpose by striking the ministers of the gospel with poverty. Now, let me hasten to say that I am so blessed as a pastor, which is my privilege to be of this amazing church, because this is a very generous church, a very giving church. And I'm also so blessed to have elders on the board of directors who are very generous with me as the pastor of the church. So please know that Boy, this is rough. Let me move on here. (laughs) How am I doing now? Still not that good? Okay. (laughs) Well, hopefully it'll get better. Of the apostles reiterating this principle with what Luther calls an embarrassing frequency, and it is embarrassing to say the least, I like how one commentator said it. This is a basic, though, listen, sometimes neglected, spiritual principle. Those who feed and bless you spiritually should be supported by you financially. Paul repeated this principle in several other places. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? That's what he wrote to the Corinthian church in his first epistle. Chapter 9, verse 11. The Corinthian church, and we know this from our study through both 1st and 2nd Corinthians, was a very stingy church, a very selfish church, very self-focused church. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. This is also in 1st Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14. Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. And that word honor in the original language carries with it the idea of financially honoring. It's where we get our English word for honorarium. And oh, by the way, I might as well parenthetically say, because it's a very important principle, that when in the fifth commandment, which is reiterated in the book of Ephesians, which we're going to be studying next, This command to honor thy father and thy mother, do you realize that that carries with it the idea in that culture 
culturally and biblically that we're to financially care for and honor our mother and our father. We were having a conversation about this. I think it was on Thursday night. I don't know how we got uh, into this, but in, oh, I know my daughter was um, talking with me and whoever I was talking with, I don't even remember. I just remember the conversation, but uh, we were talking about how that, oh, I know we were in the kitchen. <laughs> it's a, it's an H thing. Can I use that one? That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. So we're in the kitchen, and um, Jeannie says something to the effect of, you know, when you get older, if the Lord tarries, Sabia is going to care for you. To which I responded, she better. And, uh, <laughs> and then I kind of went into this whole thing about, in my culture in the Middle East, you don't find nursing homes. You know why you don't find nursing homes? Because when the parents are elderly, the children will take care of their parents financially. I remember many years ago, my grandmother and grandfather father on my mother's side were elderly, and the firstborn son built an addition onto their house so that they could take care of their mother and father and all of their needs until they uh, died. And that's the culture in the Middle East. So this is um, what the word honor means. So when you read worthy of double honor, you're talking about a financial term. And then it says, this is 1 Timothy 5.17, by the way, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. And then Luke's gospel, chapter 16, verse 11. If you trust them with your spiritual health, you should also trust them to steward the gifts of God's people. So throughout and replete in the New Testament, you find this principle reiterated again with this embarrassing frequency. So why do I go into that? I go into that to say this, and this is where I'm going with this, by the way. Whether you're the pastor in the pulpit or the person in the pew, you don't break this principle. This principle breaks you. Kind of rhymes, doesn't it? I see the principle of sowing and reaping like the law of gravity in the sense that you cannot defy either. With the law of gravity, you fall to the earth, and with the law of sowing and reaping, you harvest what you planted in the earth. Consider what the Apostle Paul wrote again to the Corinthian church in his second letter, chapter 9. I want to read verses 6 through 11. He says this, Remember this, Whosoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided or purposed in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, and here's why. For God loves a cheerful giver. This is hilarious in the original Greek language of the New Testament, which is where we get our 
English word hilarious. And verse 8, God, listen, here's the principle. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You know what Paul is saying here? He's echoing to the Galatian churches what he wrote to the Corinthian church And he's doing so by contrasting a generous farmer with a stingy farmer. The stingy farmer plants his seed grudgingly and even sparingly, thinking that he'll have more seed, at least initially. However, by doing this, he will have less of a harvest eventually and ultimately. Conversely, in contrast, the farmer who sows generously may have less seed initially. However, he will enjoy an abundant harvest of crops and even more seeds eventually. Because you know what comes with the crops at harvest is more seeds. In that agricultural society, this would have been very understandable. It's something that in our day and age and in our culture, we maybe have some difficulty getting our minds around. I grew up in a very small town, Tico, Washington, population uh, about 200-ish. My graduating class in 1980, I graduated, barely, but I graduated (laughs) 16 people in my graduating class. But it was in a farm town, and a lot of us would work for uh, the farmers, and the major crop was the wheat, lentils as well, but wheat was the, the major crop. And the wheat harvest would yield not only the wheat, the crops, but more seeds for replanting for next year's crop. And the farmer who planted generously, not sparingly, had a greater crop because they did that. I want to close by pointing out something that is so very important, and it has to do with God's economy. God's economy is the antithesis of man's economy, and I'll explain what I mean by that. In man's economy, the more we give away, the less we have. Whereas in God's economy, it's the exact opposite. In God's economy, the more you give, 
the more you'll have. As one aptly noted, you cannot outgive God. I think it was Larry Burkett, who's now with the Lord, that once said that God's got a bigger shovel than you do. And here's the thing, you know, and this is a gift, by the way, the gift of giving. If you have the gift of getting, you also have to have the gift of getting because God's going to supply the gift that he's given you. And this is why those who have that gift and give generously and uh, cheerfully, hilariously, if you prefer, those are the ones that God then, because of that stewardship and that generosity of giving, will supply them with everything they need in abundance in his economy. I want to mention Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25. Listen to this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. And then listen to this. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Can I just say, lastly, (laughs) I can because I have the microphone, so I will, that just one uh, final comment on tithing and giving uh, financially. I just want to share it by way of a, a testimony. When I first got saved, I, you know, I'd heard about tithing and I didn't really know much about it. I, you know, had to learn about it and I had read the Bible for the first time all the way through in about six months from Genesis through to Revelation. And it was kind of interesting because I found, especially in the New Testament, that Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined. Did you know that? He talked more about money, Jesus did, than he did heaven and hell combined. And as I started really understanding this principle, uh, and especially when I was in Malachi, where it's the only time in the entirety of the Bible where God says to test him. (laughs) Nowhere else are we to ever test the Lord our God. But there's one time where God says, I want you to test me. What's the, are you sure about this, Lord? How am I supposed to test you? I want you to test me in the area of your tithes and offerings. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to test me and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that will be so abundant, so massive, so voluminous that you will not even be able to receive it. I'm like, okay. I'll never forget the first time I tithed. It was the scariest thing I had ever done because I could not in the math figure out for the life of me how 90% was going to go where 100% had never gone before. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to test you. So I laid all my bills out. I'm a new believer. This is back in the early 80s. Don't do, don't do that math. I was four years old at the time. So I, I lay out all of my bills. This is back in the, you know, 
olden days where you, you, you actually wrote them instead of printed the, the checks so, or paid online. <laughs> so I, I laid out all the bills. I got my checkbook. I got my register. So I, I start writing. And the first check I wrote was the tithe check. And, I, and even as I wrote it out, I mean, it was, it was kind of like I was, you know, shaking and blood was coming out of the pen. I okay, are you sure about this, Lord? I'm coming to test you. And, oh, my goodness. And, okay. I figured, you know what? I, I might have to delay a couple of these bills, you know, because uh, I know I'm not going to have enough now that I've written out that first tithe check. So I... Wrote it out, set it aside, started writing the rest of the checks for the rest of the bills. And as God is my witness, and I've shared this before, (laughs) as God is my witness, not only did I have enough to pay all of those bills, I actually had money left over. And I thought to myself, surely I have made a mistake. (laughs) So I went back and I checked the numbers more than once and I kept coming up with the same number, and I had money left over. And I share that to say this. I went from being scared to death to tithe to being scared to death not to tithe. And that was over 35 years ago, and I've never stopped, and I've never wanted for anything. God has always provided every financial need that I've ever had. One last thing, and this will be the last, last thing. (laughs) When our daughter Noelle died in 2006. She was born uh, December 28th of uh, 2005, coming up. She would have been uh, 12 this month. Our medical bills were pretty intense. And uh, I remember asking the Lord to provide. And I know he's always been faithful. I didn't have any reason to believe that he... uh, would not provide, especially now in our time of um, greatest need. And uh, I remember I would get a bill in the mail. On this one particular occasion, it was for $2,000. And I didn't have $2,000. And so I just prayed. I said, Lord, um, I have this bill here, and uh, it's for $2,000. The next day I go out to the mail, and there is an anonymous money order To this day, I know not from who, for $2,000, the exact amount of the bill that I needed to pay. Only God could do that. Suffice it to say, I tested the Lord, and He poured out a blessing so abundantly. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Galatians. If you'd like to learn more about the Apostle Paul's letter, we encourage you to continue reading ahead. As you do, ask God to reveal the truths and promises contained in its verses to you. He will point you to the passages that he knows you need to read. You can also hear additional messages from Pastor J.D. on this book by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Listen online or download these teachings to have available anytime. We've created a mobile app as well for Apple and Android devices, so you'll be able to take Pastor J.D.'s teachings with you on the go. We'd also like to tell you more about the Mideast Prophecy Update tab on our website. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're all eagerly anticipating His return to earth. 
We believe it's coming soon and that many events happening around the world right now are fulfilling the prophecies of the end times detailed in the Bible. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes a look at these events and what God's Word has to say about them and shares that information with us in the Mideast Prophecy Update. The purpose of these updates aren't to scare us, but to remind us how important it is that everyone know the redeeming hope of Jesus. These updates are new every week, so visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to access the latest installments. That's all we have for today, but be sure to join us next time on In Spirit and Truth for more from the book of Galatians. Keeping me right with you, holding me true.